was fortunate enough to head out to Boston to hang out at Northeastern University. This is something we were doing a lot of a few years ago, and then, you know, COVID hit and shut everything down in person. And we're doing a lot more now, which is doing live shows at PT programs because, hey, who makes a better live audience than PT students and faculty and local PTs? And this is our just chance to get out to do the thing live. So I want to say thanks to the uh, the staff at Northeastern University, the faculty, the students, the alums. We had a bunch of alums out there. Uh, Going to release a series of episodes with, uh, with the faculty that we recorded. First one you're going to hear now is with, well, uh, Luke is an anatomy professor, uh, orthopedic clinical specialist, and uh, works at Northeastern. Uh, double duty, too, because he's also an alum. So we hear a cool story. We talk about anatomy education, clinical transitions from, uh, well, student to practice, practice to faculty and education while also staying in the clinic. So uh, dig into that. Do want to say thanks to our friends at ATI Physical Therapy for sponsoring the show. With more than 900 of their clinics placed in the 100th percentile in their CMS's merit-based incentive program for the second consecutive year, hit ATIPT.com if you want to join their team. So thanks again to ATI for powering the show. Without further ado, and you guys know how much I like me some ado, here's our episode live with Luke Brisbane. You guys ready to go? There we go. The best conversations happen at happy hour. Welcome to ours. Welcome aboard. This is the PT Pinecast. Here's your host, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. All right. Welcome to a very special edition of the show coming to you live from Northeastern University. I promise there are students here. There we go. I'm your host, Jimmy McKay. And if you thought physical therapy was all about resistant bands and ice packs, well, you're in for a treat because it's not. Uh, tonight, we're shaking things up with a lineup that's more exhilarating than a double shot of espresso after a really, really intense comprehensive examination. We've got the creme de la creme of the PT world here. You creme de la creme, right? Yeah. We'll say that. We'll say that. Uh, we've got trailblazers, thought leaders, and yes, even a hip hop dancing researcher. Is that true? I believe it is. Uh, so grab your foam rollers and get comfy. Let's dive into the minds of these PT superheroes. Let's get this show on the road, Northeastern. Love the PT Pinecast? Conversations yes, happen yes. at half the show by telling a friend or by leaving a review on iTunes or Google Play. All right, uh, next up in the show, batting leadoff. We're in conversation with orthopedic clinical specialist and assistant clinical professor here at Northeastern with a focus on anatomy education and a background in outpatient practices. He's reshaping how we approach PT learning. Welcome, Luke Brisbane. Luke, thank you for going first. It's always, I always like to look into the eyes of the guests and figure out which one of them I'm going to go. It's a lot like when you do like an onside kick. Did you ever see the movie The Replacements? I haven't seen that. They were figuring out who to kick the ball to on the onside kick, and you're always looking for the guy who's going like this. Don't kick it to me. So you weren't that guy. You were like, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> so, Luke, thanks so much for, uh, for batting leadoff. I want to do an icebreaker exercise, since you are first. I love those. I'm going to throw five ideas or concepts, and we're going to play overrated, underrated. Okay. So I'll give you an idea. You tell me if it's overrated, underrated, and then why. First up, an overrated, underrated. The significance of hands-on experience in anatomy labs for PT students. Is it overrated? Is it underrated? I think it's underrated. I think it's something that was traditionally part of a lot of anatomy programs with um, cadaver-based learning. I think now with different technologies coming out, it's starting to get phased out a little bit more. Um, but I do think it's something that is hugely important to really appreciate the human body and become 
you know, a full clinician to everything PTs are able to do. What do you guys use here? Is it? So we are really fortunate that we actually get a combination. So we oh. have a full cadaver lab. We have um, human donors that uh, we're able to work on prosected during the anatomy course. I take a group of students through dissections as well. And then we also have some really uh, cool new technology with anatomage that we're able to kind of integrate both of them together. Yeah, that was, a, I mean, that was kind of a fun part of PT. Where is it in the curriculum? Is it super early? Is it in the middle? Super early. Oh, um, yeah. One of my kind of research interests now is figuring out how we can utilize those resources throughout the curriculum. Yeah, that was a wake-up call. Plus the smell. It was a little different in, uh, in PT school. Overrated, underrated. I was, this, you sort of uh, radio segmented the role of technology in enhancing anatomy education. Uh, I, I think it's been underrated. I think now it's gaining a lot of popularity and maybe kind of swinging the pendulum the other direction. I think COVID was one thing that when we got our yeah. labs shut down, we kind of had to shift fully to technology. Right. And I think that's been successful, but we lost some of the hands-on components of it that yeah. I do think um, are, are really valuable for the students. Yeah, we're recording this a month before CSM, and I remember CSM in Denver, everybody saying a lot of different things. That w that'll work, but that's 10, 15 years in the future. And then necessity is the mother of invention and forces you into figuring stuff out. We'd figure it out. Uh, third, third on overrated, underrated, the importance of clinical experience for PT education. I mean, hugely important. That's kind of where every student's going to end up. Yeah. So, you know, as much clinical experiences students are able to get throughout the curriculum, I think just sets them up to, to be successful as uh, newer graduates and really, I think, understand where they might fit in the PT field even before they've become a full-time clinician. Do you see this? I mean, I had a class of 38 and I, and, and all 30 all 37, I had no idea what I was doing. I was a radio DJ in PT school. I had no idea what I was doing. But 37 out of 37 were positive about where they were going after graduation. And, and almost to a T, almost 37 out of 37 did not go to that thing. Do you, do you see that in their eyes where they definitely know and then that some, at some point changes? Yeah, and I think especially when they first get here they think they know exactly where they want to go. <laughs> and, uh, and part of that's because they've done their research. You know, that right. it's, it's an investment when you decide to go to PT school. And, uh, you know, I, I think once they've kind of the advice I always give is, you know, stay open to the different opportunities that come your way because you'll probably find something that really interests you that you may not, not yeah. have even known about. I, I, I probably couldn't name like three settings at a PT practice other than like sports and orthopedics and hospitals. And then you get here, I remember like learning about wound care and being like, just raising my hand and be like, that's a thing. And they're like, that is, that is a thing. Yeah. And it's like, so, so is your advice to when you hear them, are you sitting there kind of smug going, mm, well, odds are you're going to change your mind? Or do you just sort of let the process, process happen? Uh, the advice I give is just to stay, stay open. I try to stay as broad as that. And then, you know, inevitably you'll get the uh, complete sports ortho oriented person that hates neuro and right. you know you do get to kind of be like well a lot of sports PT now is going more the neuro route so you're, you're gonna have to learn to like it at some point if that's where you want to live sort of cool though when you get a license and I like to like I like I like similarities and differences and the word when you use the word license it's like you can drive anywhere you want it's like when you get a PT license you can practice anywhere you want I don't know I, I don't know other professions where you get one license and you can be so wide right I mean that's got to be a little bit an advantage of PT, but also from a communicator and a marketer, a disadvantage. How do you communicate the value and ben the benefits and features of those, all those different things? That it makes it hard. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's one thing that PT as a profession probably does need to focus on a little bit more is, you know, how can we network with our, you know, each of our specific specialty areas, each of our specific um, unique occupations? How can we promote that, you know, we are physical therapists that are doing these jobs and filling these roles, 
um, to help better promote the profession. Yeah. So you went from a clinical role to a little bit of a hybrid, right? Because I remember we were talking earlier and you said you still have two half days in the clinic. That's got to be a pretty cool freeing variety mix. Yeah, no, I, I, that's, you know, something I'm really passionate about is still maintaining clinical practice. I'm, I'm not someone who came into academia to get away from the clinic. Um, I, I very much am passionate in, you know, treating patients and, and keeping my clinical specialty up and, and everything there. And I think it brings a lot of value to what I'm able to bring to the classroom then and bring to the students here is, um, you know, that I'm still actively working in, in the clinic with patients. And, um, yeah, I think that's uh, part of what's helped me avoid burnout in some ways as well as, yeah. you know, having some variety and, and having some uh, uh, different things I can put to, put my mind to. <laughs> How did you know going and coming back to education, uh, not in the classroom or being traumatized by tests, mm-hmm. um, would be something that would be a good fit? Uh, so I, I think part of what brought me into the field of PT in, in general is that I, I had a passion for teaching people and just helping them understand something that maybe they didn't understand as well beforehand. And um, when I went through PT school, I was a tutor for some different courses. Yeah. Um, you know, when I graduated shortly after, I had the opportunity to become uh, adjunct faculty here at Northeastern. Um, and then it just continued to grow. So I, I think uh, I always had that passion for teaching that I don't think I was really able to name it that until right. later on. Yeah. And then how, how long was the transition? How long, how long after you graduated before you said, okay, I'm going to go back to, I'm going to go back to school, but get paid for it. Um, so it was a, <laughs> they do pay you, right? Yeah. Okay. Good. Now good. They good, do. good. Yeah, awesome. yeah. It's good. Um, I think I was adjunct about two years after I graduated and then, um, for about five years before I came on full time. Yeah. And how'd you know, last thing I'll ask about that transition, how'd you know it was the right decision? Uh, I mean, I think still that I get to do both. Like, I think if I was fully out of the clinic, I would greatly miss that piece of what I worked six years to be able to do. Sure. <laughs> um, going through the six year program here at Northeastern. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that I still have that component. Um, and, you know, I, I still have the you know, passion for teaching. I'm just getting to do it in a couple different ways. Yeah, it's got to be fun. And then <clears throat> it's also a family affair, right? There's other people in your family who are also in, in the profession. Um, so, yeah, my uh, my partner, Taylor, she's also a physical therapist. Um, we met here at Northeastern. So she took an interesting route as well. She uh, is a physical therapist that now is working more in administration in a school. So it's it's kind of, again, we, we get an education that allows us to be really impactful in a lot of different roles. Yeah. Do you talk, uh, does she critique things that you, uh, you bring home? Or is she like, you know, critiquing the exam and telling you it's way too hard, way too easy or anything like that? Or you just keep them separate? Uh, there's probably a little bit of critique, but yeah. it's, it's needed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we're going to do something called 60 second PT. It's the fastest minute in physical therapy. We just started doing this. So you're going to be a kind of a guinea pig for this, but you're, that's okay. Awesome. Cause you're in education. You try sure. stuff. Sure. So I'm just going to ask you rapid fire questions for 60 seconds. The okay. more, the faster you answer, the more questions you get to answer. You ready? Yep. Number one, define physical therapy in just three words. Comprehensive, mm. um, effective, and valuable. What's the most challenging part of your job? Um, dealing with the students. Mm. What's the most <laughs> What's the most rewarding part of your job? The dealing student. with the students. There, there we go. go. <laughs> what's one around. myth about PT you often encounter? Sorry. A myth about PT you often encounter. Um, maybe that the same thing will work for everyone. What's a common mistake that new physical therapists make? 
Uh, specialization too early. Ooh. Uh, what's one trend in physical therapy that actually excites you the most? Um, pain neuroscience education and kind of the different pain science research that's been coming out. What's a book every physical therapist should read? Um, well, by hope. Um, oh. Local boss, and I'm forgetting it now. <laughs> Someone will Google later and we'll put it in the show notes. Later, yes. That's what we'll do. What's the most underrated skill in physical therapy? Uh, patient education and communication. Yeah, that came up everywhere in PT school. And then I realized how important it was. And I was like, oh, we didn't get any education on patient yeah. education. It's hard but to I'll, practice until you get there. It is. Final question. What's the number one, what's your number one tip for building patient trust? Uh, listening. listening. Showing the, the patient that you're listening. Yeah. Uh, last thing we do on the show, each guest is the parting shot. This is the parting shot. Parting shot brought to you by ATI because they're bringing us to two saints and we're going to have a, a, a conversation about comprehensive exams, Gabrielle. <laughs> you and I are going to go talk about this over a beer or seven. Parting shots is your last chance for a mic drop moment, soapbox statement. What's the, cause every professor has one. They've got that thing that they yell at you as you're walking out of the room. It's like their stamp. What's your parting shot? Uh, I think putting, again, faculty hat on, um, one thing I try to promote in students is, you know, try to be an active learner. You know, students will come with questions and, you know, my first answer is just why. Like, why do you think that's the answer or what do you think the answer is? So trying to become an active part of your educational experience. And I think that's going to drive habits and drive the, uh, you know, help you find your passion that's going to promote learning throughout, you know, the rest of your career. I agree with you. It's good. But it's annoying, right? Because you want the answer. Like I said, my, my professor, Sky Donovan, I love you, Sky. But like I would, go ask, I would go ask her a question, and she'd answer with a question. And I was like, but I'm paying you for the answer. So if you could go ahead and give me the answer, I'd be super appreciative right now. But now I'm smarter because of it. So, I usually right. make sure we get there eventually. But it's, guard, it's like bowling with guardrails is how she described it with me. It's like, eventually like I'm going to help you knock at least one pin over. You know, But I'm, I'm coaxing you to sort of hit the, the guardrails to eventually get down the lane. Like but that. yeah, it's got to be fun. My advice is want to sound like the most interesting person in the room. Just keep asking questions. Never answer the questions. Just, just stroke your chin and just keep asking questions like a professor. And you will forever just look intelligent. I'll, I'll try to keep that up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear for our first guest, Luke Brisbane. This is the PT Pinecast. 